Welcome everyone to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Uncle Pete of the rescue, huh? The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode six, all new Halloween spooktacular, is brought to you by Yo Magic, the snack for survivors. Pete, show news in the last week, hour-long episodes coming, says Kevin Feige, according to an article I read that's credited to, or it's self-based on someone else's Facebook quote with a picture that says Kevin Feige said it, and that Facebook post quotes director Matt Shackman, who was interviewed before the show came out, talking about how the series is, to him, a six-hour movie. Could the final three episodes be closer to an hour? Sure. Did Kevin Feige announce that in the press in the last week? Absolutely not. He didn't. We need to take a deep breath about the episode lengths. Okay. Granted, I harp every week on how long the credits are. That's a little bit different. I don't think we needed seven minutes and 20 plus seconds of credits there's got to be a way to more quickly move those along so the episode when you fire it up doesn't look longer they're gonna tell the story they're gonna tell it'll be done in a satisfying way and uh you'll watch it so please stop telling people these last three episodes definitively from the mouth of marvel god kevin feige are each an hour long you don't know that Pete, I will disagree as to the uh, the credit length. I just want to say that there's people like Tammy DeRuter, who was a set painter, okay, or even people like uh, Brett Voss, who was an ADR recordist. They deserve their moment in the sun, too. But, Pete, bring it back squarely to, uh, let's say, the more uh, forward-facing end of the show, of the podcast. We are so proud that we've had not one, not two, but four posts to our pop culture podcast in the last week i'm talking two updates to our falcon and the winter soldier feed that itself a fairly new feed uh news out of the mandalorian end of things and of course wandavision so you know just so happy to have our pop culture podcast as the place where everything lives yes old listeners new listeners welcome of course uh to the fantastic geek universe family of podcasts as we say around old fantastic geek hq over here uh matt that falcon and the winter soldier uh podcast feed going live this week blowing up so wandavision fans mcu fans fear not you can jump on that now well ahead of the friday march 19th debut just another thing to get you over pretty soon that loki one will be popping up there still haven't seen matt's album art on that really really interested to see pretty soon i think we'll have a little uh segment thing uh bumping around for falcon and the winter soldier gotten such great feedback on the wandavision ones here but matt on wandavision being the most watched thing right now yeah, I saw uh, that uh, comicbook.com had that uh, had that info, 
and it makes sense it makes sense not just you know that it's disney plus which let's not forget relative to the first season of mandalorian disney plus now has 10 times the reach 10 times as many subscribers and subscribers around the world versus mandalorian uh just launching i believe as i recall with u.s or u.s and canada access only um back when the service launched so you add the increased uh you know brand awareness you add the increased uh availability for the service add to it the fact that this is not a sitcom this is a mystery box sitcom action uh drama tragedy mystery sci-fi show i mean it has everything it's sticky just enough to sit and say what is it that's going on in an episode in particular that features uh, the most terrifying commercial ever (laughs) (laughs) and this too as falcon and the winter soldier is uh running with an expected viewership as much as 200 percent that of the mandalorian which is shocking to talk about it is although i mean i think it speaks to the broad reach of the marvel brand and that's not to say that star wars doesn't but i think there's something in Marvel for everybody in terms of, I like the more magical ones, or I like the more hard science fiction ones, although the hard sci-fi has faded away, you know, with the, the nanobots and whatnot of recent years. But I like the ones with the younger characters. I like the ones with the more middle-aged characters. Wh- whatever it is, there's there's a lot that's there for the Marvel fan and uh, proof uh, here with the success of the show. Here's the story. Of a lovely lady. Pete, what's the story? The Malcolm in the Middle-esque title card here, Matt. A VHS tape plays with rock music behind it as a child appears and speeds through the house to open a bathroom where Wanda Maximoff is brushing her teeth with her hair and rollers wearing a bathrobe. The uh, lyrics here uh, so tactfully done uh and again with the tone that they're taking from malcolm in the middle and i know matt not a malcolm in the middle uh person but i watched uh that show religiously and they just absolutely nailed the tone and uh the cutaways everything to it okay don't try to fight the chaos don't question what you've done okay uh, the game can try to play us. The lyrics continue here as uh, Wanda uses her magic to light up her left hand and close the door. Don't let it stop the fun. Uh, downstairs, the vision is reading the newspaper. Some days it's all confusion. Easy come and easy go. But if it's all illusion... Sit back, enjoy the show. Naughty neighbor Agnes uh, is in the refrigerator there. Uh, Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going through each distorted day. Brothers Billy and Tommy Maximoff introduced here. Let's keep it going, though there may be no way of knowing who's coming to play. That, of course... Pietro Maximoff as himself. Pete, amongst other things, let me point out uh, that Malcolm in the Middle, a show squarely from the 2000s, started airing in 
uh, January uh, of the year 2000. So it appears that what WandaVision, um, either speak as to the WandaVision uh, Wanda creation or the actual show that we're watching on Disney+. Plus. I'm not sure if I'm referring to both or one or the other, but it appears that just as Full House and Growing Pains straddled the 80s and 90s, so too did last week's quote-unquote 80s episode straddle both decades uh, because the the fact that this is a Malcolm the Middle week on WandaVision this week I, I think is undoubtable, and that is a 2000s show. So among other things, Pete, our notion of one you know, one decade per episode. All right, that was thrown off a little bit when we had the all real world episode. Um, but we're kind of, my point is this, Pete, we're quickly running out of decades if we're going to do about one decade per episode. Well, it's obviously coming to a head over these last three. We know that we're going to get the, uh, you know, docu-style uh, sitcom coming. Um you know, unless they're going to go to the future and, and show us a, a holographic sitcom from, you know, the 2040s. <laughs> I don't think we're we're really going there, although I wouldn't rule it out. The level that they're operating at has been impeccable. So they shifted up and, you know, oh, all right. So, yeah, it was 80s and 90s uh, last week when they did Family Ties, when they did Full House. It's all working. And, you know, to have it be so pat this show is 80s, this show is 90s, this show is the aughts, um, I think is too formulaic. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Within the narrative of the narrative, within the show, within the show, I think I have that correct, we have uh, Billy talking to the camera, speaking about the magic of Halloween, you know, time spent together with family and so forth. We have Tommy, who is focused a little bit more on the candy aspect. They both notice that Uncle P is snoring there on the couch. It's really weird. He's asleep. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, maybe he's a vampire. With that, uh, Uncle Pietro jumps up, roaring, you know, I'm going to suck your blood and so forth. In native accent, too, though he's asked later on where it went. Indeed. We have Wanda descending the stairs as Comics Scarlet Witch or Sokovian Fortune Teller. Choose your reality, I suppose. <laughs> we have, interestingly, a flashback to Wanda and Pietro as kids, uh, trick-or-treating. Um, pu a pure comedy moment here, pure comedy cutaway. Pete, something straight out of what I understand through Wikipedia was the visual style of Malcolm in the Middle? Oh, I mean, not just that. To do an impression of uh, Jane Kaczmarek, um, you know, the, the thing that they nailed as well beyond the tone, beyond the look, the dialogue and the interaction, you know, they always had uh, her and uh, Cranston. Brian Cranston was, was the dad there. Let's not forget it goes on to Breaking Brad. Um, so they were always, uh, with the subtext sexually. Okay. And they nail that as well. So bottom line here, we have that Sokovian flashback, which Wanda says she remembers differently. Little mini red flag going up for all of us in the audience. Yes. So right from Malcolm in the middle. Okay. With the cutaway. Okay. Two, that it's done in this 
low rent uh, Eastern fictional Eastern European country style. Okay, the the barrel for warmth, uh, the the broken down foreign auto in the front yard, the old lady with the fish. Uh, also, you don't get typhus from <laughs> sharing uh, Halloween fish candy. But uh, Matt, did you notice? who the children are dressed as in the cutaway. Um, I think Pietro was a pirate. I didn't, nothing. He's got more... an eye patch, but he's wearing a bunch of black leather. Oh my goodness. Is he supposed to be Nick Fury? Okay. And who's she? Did you notice who she is? No, not at all. Okay. So she has antennae. All right. Uh, but her uh, thorax, I mean, her dress is red. So and who's... she's got the red hair, but it's in a fishtail braid, and there's a little blonde peeking through. I'm I'm very confused. She is a black widow. Oh, got it. Okay. Wow. So literally, so okay, got it. A literally a black widow spider kind of thing. So, I guess we'll, Pete, let's circle back to this in theories because. Wow, that's rather mind-blowing. Let me ask this. Should we be wondering at this point whose flashback this is? Like, whose flashback did we see, right? Because, I mean, Wanda says she remembers it differently. So this is, just from my understanding, this is squarely Pietro's proposed memory, right? Right, and if he's what we suspect it might be, doesn't it all come from her anyway? Um. Depending on where you're at on that theory, yes, I'm still I'm still in flux. But uh, fantastic catch there, certainly. That's that's really really wonderful. Back in the story, uh, the boys note that mom has been acting differently uh, lately, um, and also call Uncle Pietro a man child, both of which I think are are accurate. With that, we have uh, Vision descending the stairs as uh, Comics Vision. There's the briefest pause, as he said, he had no choice to get dressed up like this. There were no other clothes in his closet. So mm-hmm. all of this subtext as to the the push and pull between the two of them, you know, pause, pause. But he knows that she loves Mexican wrestlers. So, of course, he dressed up as one today. Yeah. So from the bitter delivery of I am aware of what is going on and you are doing this to me to, you know, uh, chili con carne. And the uh, the dad's name on uh, Malcolm in the Middle, Hal, uh, again, played so tremendously by Cranston and imitating that. This is a show, Matt, that, you know, on a technical level has been on a very, very high note the entire time we've seen it. Uh, but on a performance level continues to find new nuance. Well, that's just it. It, that that's the great strength of uh, both the leads here, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. Um, I think more has been asked of Paul Bettany in terms of nuance in some of these episodes where he really is straddling the ignorance of the world that he's in and the knowledge of it and going with it or fighting against it. And it's just, it lends itself to these moments of real drama that, that he has been asked to perform Obviously, Elizabeth Olsen right behind him. I think she's probably got more acting fireworks ahead of her in the in the remaining three episodes. But 
bring you back here. Uh, there's a little bit of discussion here. Vision saying, tell me about your brother. He's uh, uh, great with kids. He's full of surprises. Vision unwilling, uninterested to be more critical of, uh, of brother Pietro. Yeah, and that gap there that exists, obviously something that they're playing around with in terms of the narrative. Vision hopes that they, all of you over there, will have fun tonight. He can't go trick-or-treating. Uh, he's dressed up to be part of Neighborhood Watch. He's got to keep an eye on those teens. Um, Wanda is about to tell him that that's not part of the story that she ordered up, that she expected, that she set forth, whatever the best ending to that is. Uh, but she does give in. Uh, it's noted again to the camera. Mom and Dad have been uh, disagreeing a lot lately. With that, Vision heads off, and uh, of course, uh, Pieter is going to step up. With that, Pete, the world's best uncle, continues to be a silly goose and uh, zips away to put on a costume. It's comics Quicksilver, uh, and he's going to behave. So the other thing that Matt, not as a watcher of um, Malcolm in the Middle, wouldn't understand. So Pietro is... Uh, the brother here of Wanda, they're aping Francis, the character of Francis, um, who was the older brother on Malcolm in the Middle, um, and how he was a terrible, terrible influence on the younger children. The the pilot, he comes back from... Um, or is sent off to, I can't quite remember, military school. And that's a, a thing they go to and fro. Um, and down to the way that they've styled his hair, uh, playing the character of Francis. Pete, I had no idea that the references cut so deep. Uh, oh, it's, it's just, it is, it is dense in terms of even the way that the music uh, goes behind the dialogue they just i'm telling you watch an episode of malcolm in the middle and then you will have a whole different level of appreciation of this episode of wandavision the story moves outside the hex we see that the wall is red by the way pete now more than ever useful to have the multiple uh, aspect ratios um we're squarely in you know, TV widescreen, um, which I think is 16 by 9, but kind of TV widescreen when we are inside the the hex. When we're outside it, it's that full, you know, 2 to 1 uh, full widescreen there. So more useful than ever as we go back and forth and back and forth. Um, the red has maintained, uh, pardon me, the wall has maintained the red hue that we uh, saw was added to it by Wanda at the end of the last episode. The drone slash missile delivery device uh, that had been sent in is still being bought back, still sparkling from Wanda's red magic. We have uh, Monica yelling at Hayward about the missile attack that he had put forth. Darcy backs up Monica on this, and Hayward wonders, between the two of them, which one is the sassy best friend? So, Pete, which one is it? Uh, something we will talk about for sure in theories here. But uh, what they're planning to make this whole nightmare, Matt, end, uh, he wants this over. He doesn't want to surrender to what is out there 
Okay. Very, very intentional choice of dialogue here. But that um, Monica is uh, on the side of Wanda using her as a solution rather than looking at her at a problem. Um, Wu, in all of this, Wu is trying to keep things on track. I think it's also the writerly way to make sure that Wu is part of the scene, particularly since Wu and Monica and Darcy are all about to get kicked out. It's a way to get Wu kind of glued to the other two, even though Hayward isn't exactly... You know, Hayward doesn't know who all these people are in that he doesn't know who Darcy is and who works for whom, etc. So it's a way to keep the three together as the story moves forward. Um, it is said by Hayward that Monica is once again advocating for the superpowered. Oh yeah, like Carol Danvers and your history with her. Um, but uh, Monica having been uh, snapped out, you know, Thanos and whatnot means that she doesn't know what it was like to survive for the last five years. Then Pete, the cruelest thing said in six episodes of this show uh, by Hayward to Monica, heck, maybe it's a good thing you weren't here when your mother died as you mm. don't have the stomach for this job. I mean, Pete, yeah. it is it is, it is is astonishing even for a fictional narrative, even as we sit and increasingly say, uh, and I, you know, I'll back off my defense of Hayward from last week, you know, Hayward might turn out to be the big bad and Mephisto or, you know, demon spawn, or he could be the biggest bad ever. This is still a terrible thing to say. It is. It is. And to have them removed here, uh, outside it's, uh, the discussion over being sidelined here and it's woo who throws the first punch, Matt, probably the one we'd expect least, uh, here Rambo, uh, helping him to disarm their sword goons. And uh, Darcy uh, is upset she didn't get told the plan. They all put on sword ponchos and skulk about. Back into the town we go. It's trick-or-treating time. The kids are getting candy. Wanda tests Pietro about their past. Uh, he knows that she is testing him, though. Um, so ultimately diverts all of her questions back to her. She should be able to answer them. Um, in Easy this... there, demon spawn. <laughs> if you want to read into that line, I suppose one could. The potential um, continued search for answers is interrupted as Wanda says hello to Herb, who is resplendent in his Frankenstein makeup. He's on Neighborhood Watch um, and confirms of course that vision is not on duty this all while he's getting reports and we are seeing in the background definitely kind of sitcom style candy is being stolen jack-o'-lanterns smashed everyone covered with silly string uh, and we of course see that it is uh, uncle p and the boys so herb is effectively playing the father of one of the other children from Malcolm in the Middle. That, of course, Stevie, the little boy in the wheelchair who would speak like this because of health problems. Um, and Herb crushes the delivery and just the overall demeanor of uh, the dad there um, that was uh, Abe from Malcolm in the Middle. 
with that, you know, Herb should get going. Again, confirming the Vision isn't on duty. However, do do you want something changed, Wanda? The implication being, what can Herb do to serve you today? Um, another in a, a number of examples of, you know, what is it that people understand as to their nature, as to Wanda, and so forth. Yeah. So, and the disclosure that uh, Vision is not on mission, but rather uh, his undercover op is rogue. Um, the the multiple levels on which this scene is going, you know, you've you've got the surface level of the sitcom, and then beneath that, that this is an imitation of a real sitcom, then. Uh, the discussion of, hey, you know, we're, we're doing security for Halloween, making sure people don't do bad things. And then the brainwash, the, uh, the mind job of, yeah, what can I do for you? To take it to vision here, uh, out on his own, checking things out. And, you know, I know you mentioned it before, but, you know, the, the classic comic outfits to get them to resist the original temptation to do something so goofy like those i mean obviously wanda wears red leather and the the closest they ever got they never gave her the the m uh hair bands but you know end of age of ultron uh you know you get the avengers uh scene and you know she shows up in the red for the first time and Vision, obviously, he's maintained the same look and, and an update, and it all works. But, you know, to get him out and about here, dressed as a stoplight, of course, or a booger or whatever, and then you you break the, the comic faithfulness to see him look off to the side of the video game, Matt, where the, the non-playable characters, you know, lady with clothesline ghost shedding a solitary digital tear and man repositioning jack-o'-lantern into just the right place there's a performance and a pathos that this show uh continues to just find a way to pinpointedly hit well that's just it this scene and the next scene the commercial are both studies dare say i don't i don't want to over blow the power of this you know comic book tv show directed by a guy perhaps best known for you know being on sitcoms himself although you know matt Chapman, <laughs> an incredible career game of thrones it's always sunny and so forth but this scene here with vision on the on the prowl and then the commercial that we're about to dig into tonally they are both one thing and then the emotion of it is by and large the opposite and it's, it really is a case, you know, like my daughter, we're watching this. She says, is that woman crying? Yeah, she is. Like, you're supposed to feel concerned. You're supposed to feel confused. G give yourself over to the narrative. That's what this is asking of you, unlike many other things where, you know, oh, just be sad in dialogue. I am sad. There, that proves it's sad. We don't need anyone actually acting. Here, just this really creepy Twilight Zone image here of the woman, you know, repeating and crying and then to get to this commercial, which is complete opposites, the tone and the intent, complete opposites here. The boy on an island hungry. Um, <laughs> Pete, one of my great fears, the shark comes on up, you know, <laughs> time to snack on yo magic yogurt. Um, 
the, uh, the, the container handed over to the little dude, but he can't get it open. We have the time lapse as he slowly fades away, more and more emaciated, fades to a skeleton. Yo Magic, the snack for survivors. Pete, now the commercials are slowly starting to turn on Wanda, maybe. So there's so much going on in the commercial. Again, beneath the super you know, early 2000s, entirely claymation, uh, you know, extreme snack, uh, you know, marketing, uh, you know, a, a radical shark wearing uh, glasses that can speak and, and go on land. And that the kid is physically, because of a lack of energy, unable to peel back the little thing of, of yogurt and dies this after there's already at least one fish skeleton visible on his little island there um and we saw in the previous scene with the woman stringing the clothesline the way that her eye makeup is made up she looks a little gaunt so this the first commercial that does not center around wanda and pietro's parents um maybe the most on the nose yet that night wanda is making the boys return the stolen candy pietro uh says he's just trying to do his part cause some trouble uh mix things up and so forth uh, there's discussion here, but his accent is different, and he retorts, so is hers. He does have the memory of being shot for no good reason, then things got a little fuzzy, but he heard her and he came. So, Pete, I don't know to what degree Jack Schaefer and the writing staff are um, are building a true mystery box in certain scenes to sit and say, we want to give the audience one for column A and one for column B and then another and another. And we want to build the mystery in both directions until we're willing to commit to one or the other. But that's what this scene does in that it's possible that he is both not, what, not Fox Quicksilver. It's possible that he's not MCU Quicksilver. It's possible that he is a third thing or he could be one of the previous two. Right, in a scene in which he's dressed as classic comics Quicksilver. Uh, Tommy is as well. Tommy, of course, becomes the character of of Speed. Uh, And Billy is dressed as uh, his comic, uh, you know, counterpart, um, the the Wiccan there with the, uh, the blue headband. And later we see the blue magic the red cape a lot of people focusing in on that this week you know uh wanda's got a red cape and dr strange has a red cape um everything going on there it's it's just so layered you know and i can understand where the the viewership obviously it's the nature of a streaming service like disney plus the the more and more people i mean we've we've gone over the numbers before the the increase in subscribers they've had, you know, Matt, with all with all the cancellation that happened this week to it, that that actually didn't, but, um, you know, it's no wonder so many people are talking about this. The amount of people watching it and and drilling down in terms of the detail of Tommy's super speed power, and he and 
Billy, because take your brother with you, uh, are going to go a couple blocks over to get more candy. They, of course, are shared. Uh, they, they, they're given, again, the uh, admonition, don't go past Ellis Avenue, which is uh, story seating for a little bit. And I guess, Pete, we could say now, let's get you officially on the record. Is Ellis Avenue named for MCU President Ellis or comic book writer uh, and writer, indeed, of the extremist storyline in Iron Man, Warren Ellis? What say you? Why not both? <laughs> it actually does occur to me, because was it Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 3 that President Ellis appeared? Uh, 3 for sure, maybe 2. I Man, think maybe I, 3. I, I, so go, it... I go back to that thing as, as little as possible. Number 2. It is a number 2. Uh, I would argue that Iron Man 2 and also uh, the second Avengers movie are better in the rearview mirror when you see the connect when you know the connections that they are making yeah. or when you have received those connections. But but Pete, maybe that's a Marvel movie podcast for a later time. For now, Pete, take us back to the real world of the fake MCU, but the real you know what I'm saying. Our heroes here sneaking back into this sword installation. Um spent some talk, Matt, about the RC I'm going to air quotes this here trope because um, smart people can't do computer things. Also, the why she do this so easily. She's not a hacker. Um, I guess she's smart enough to. I don't remember her original major, but now she's got now she's got her doctorate uh, in something else. I mean, how about this way? Look, I know she was the. She was the sidekick comic relief every woman in two Thor movies and then not used in the third one. And I know that Kat Dennings has um, most recently has a sitcom background. Can't we just say that, you know, though, though Darcy is um, how about not, not the stereotype of computer nerd lady? You know, she's a she's a lovely person and whatnot. Uh, Can we just say that maybe she's one of the smartest people in the MCU in terms of, you know, potentially multiple degrees and multiple disciplines and hacker on the side. I mean, you know, if not for like, maybe if not for a sense of greed, she could be the next Tony Stark or something like that. Like I'm perfectly fine with her being very smart at multiple things. Furthermore, the trope of the hacker who hacks to get information. I mean, what do you want her to do? Call in somebody else and then an episode later right. you get... Like, this info needs to be delivered some way. How about from... It's a, it's a form of exposition. Exactly. Yeah. It serves the story. It's not an out-of-left-field situation. Also, Matt, where has she been for multiple days inside this installation working with their systems? So to, you know, say you just, uh, you know, deus ex machina her into uh, deus ex hackina um not so much pete is perhaps the concern from some people oh no the darcy's of the world are smarter than me because i'm i'm okay with that if you're not maybe it's more a reflection maybe on... it's just my sense of optimism but i i don't want to see it that way i sure hope it's not that but uh inside the mainframe here oddly tracking vision is Hayward the decay signature of his vibranium, not Wanda? And we have, uh, it seems as if Hayward is getting a count 
and uh, ascertaining the condition of the Westview residents. Um, there is also uh, Jimmy feels that one can also get a sense of their well-being. Uh, that might just be a tee up for him to say, wait, people at the edge of town are barely moving, which is a, clearly meant to be another point of confirmation that there is there is the physical town center of which Wanda you know, happens to be literally in the town center. Also, just in terms of the hierarchy of this of this prison, she's always at the center of it. So it's making clear that there's there's an epicenter and there's an edge with that. We cut to vision who has made his way into a cul-de-sac people now not moving at all so again the handoff uh, of skeleton people not moving at all matt there is that too um they are wholly unresponsive to him he ditches his uh his uh mexican wrestler costume and returns to his more uniform presence see what i did there pete uh, he flies up and takes in the expanse of the town. Again, we get visually presented. I think just because the show doesn't want you to be sleeping on It's a Fun Sitcom with maybe a couple mysteries, we get presented a third time with a third map of sorts. This one, a little, you know, not even a map. This one, the liter literal presentation of the town. Look, there's the vibrant town square. Look, there's where the lights fade out. There is an edge. Wait, there's a stopped car. He goes to it. Pete, after seeing these previews for so long, it's Agnes dressed as a witch. She's also frozen. Pete, that's a that's a lowercase f, by the way. We're not that multiversing yet. Let let's hope it doesn't reach that level here. Um, he's asking her. You know, she actually wants to know where's the town square scare. The town square, he imagines, um, and she kind of seems out of it you know there's a there's a languor to her here uh how'd she take a wrong turn uh get lost in the town that she grew up in despite the fact we know they have not id'd her outside uh westview a subtle touch not one that is hidden i'm not about to blow some blow up some giant mystery here but the subtle touch is the fact that she's close to crying there's tears in her eyes again i think if you're if if all you're doing is sitting and watching this show you can see it just fine if in between your doritos and your cheetos and your fritos and your your phone um uh, your yo magic and your yo magic you know you might miss it but again i think it speaks to you know sometimes the show is giant in its presentation in terms of making things clear or a big surprise that it's the brother that we didn't know you know things like that then there's this more subtle stuff um he touches her frees her mind she's surprised she's panicked she says you know your vision you're here to save us you're an avenger he says yes i'm vision yes i'm here to help but wait what is an avenger um and then she, she made the avengers go away matt Ugh. Yes, she realizes more uh, kind of inside her mind. There's not a ton more dialogue there than wonders if she's dead. After all, he's dead, dead, dead. And uh, Pete, <laughs> dead claymation skeleton boy might have been the most frightening thing of this episode, but her just screaming over and over, dead, 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 has got to be a close second. All is lost and then laughs maniacally. And this is out of character. Matt, which makes it all the more unsettling before he calms her down. He restores her here to uh, Wanda's or whomever else's control. 
okie dokie neighbor does the turnaround here, presumably back to the town square scare. And so at this point, he notices, coincidentally, that they are at the intersection of uh, Ellis and I think it's Rolling Hills. Um, but Pete, it's like they said before, don't go past Ellis Avenue. Here it is. Um, he starts to approach. Uh, I don't know if it's buzzing in this scene, but we know, you know, the the buzzing border of the hex. Back to the real world. Darcy is now digging through medical files, uh, including those for Monica. Monica gives us the update that her guy will be meeting her, um, but we're gonna we're gonna pause on that, says Darcy, because and we'll talk about the medical stuff in a moment. But Pete, classic Western literature here. Okay, last episode. I'm going to have somebody come and help, says Monica. <laughs> this episode, help is almost here. Whoever he is, and we're de- that's the number one theory discussion of the week. We'll get to that in a little bit. But guaranteed he shows up next week, right? Like this is, this is the four, his coming was foretold. Then his coming was almost here. Next week is it, right? So th- there were whole portions of this episode leaked. Uh, and when we get to them, I'll identify them. Um, and they contained the Pietro cameo. Um, and all right, makes sense too, in that uh, Evan Peters is acting in scenes with multiple extras, even the most ironclad uh, NDAs, Matt, those are very difficult to shut down. Um there is very little we have glimpsed from the remaining three episodes. So buckle up is all I can say. Uh, they, they have done a really good job maintaining a lid on that, probably with the sense, too, that, all right, we know the Pietro cameo will slip out. Let, let's let that be the you know piece we throw out there to the Sharks and, you know, if we can maintain this other one or these other ones even because, you know, with the office connection possibility and then the idea that you're doing two sitcoms, at least two sitcoms that use a modified uh, docu-comedy uh, uh, model who might be on the other end of the camera. Well, more on that in theories, I will just say, Pete, if if your head wasn't twisted around enough already, to your point about, not, not you in particular, Pete, but for all of us, if we're, we're trying to keep track of all these theories, um, we know, as we've said many times before, you know, the Atlanta portion was filmed before a planned shutdown, and then, you know, right in time with that was a COVID shutdown, and then stuff filmed in California uh, particularly um, the you know sitcom house lane and whatnot. Uh, in the last week with some digging, I did the town square stuff, all of the town square stuff that we have seen for all of these episodes, um, which is to say, you know, n- not just in this week, but anytime that we've been in that town square with the gazebo, that shot at the Golden Oak Ranch, which is a Disney property, I must confess, Pete, I had never heard of before. It, there's not a ton of filming that goes on there, unlike you know, the Warner Brothers downtown stuff, uh, some of the Sony stuff, and so forth. Um, But just, again, to get your head wrapped around things, you think back to 
those earliest episodes when we were downtown, um, the magic show, I think that was episode three. So that was stuff that was filmed since September, even though the sitcom house stuff, uh, certainly our understanding is the kind of, you know, before studio audience kind of stuff had been filmed in that October to March pre COVID filming portion. And again, I know nobody listening is surprised to hear sometimes things are shot out of order, but that's how, how, how out of order much of this was shot and that all leads to the point this point pete whoever it is that's going to show up as the aeronautical engineer helper it may have been filmed as recently as the october to december october to november continuation of filming that was done in california heck pete maybe it was intentionally held off with we're going to have stand-in guy there say, right. fake line, fake line. And maybe that person was only filmed in December or in January against a green screen or a Mandalorian LED screen or whatever. So if you're looking for the dream fan cast, some good news, maybe? The the potential for it. But people, that, enough theory sizzle for the moment. Let's, let's conclude the recap here. Um, but I think it's proof that Proof that next week has the potential to be a small bomb, a medium bomb, or a huge bomb in the best sense possible. Um, if nothing else, dear listener, watch next week's episode early or stay off social media until you do. That would be my spoiler-free suspicion. Pete, one more question for you about the footage, then we'll officially get back to the recap here. The footage that was leaked, so that was wholly from this episode, or was there leaked footage that is yet unaccounted for? There is the slightest bit of leaked footage that is unaccounted for. However, it is similar to some of the things happening in this episode. I wonder how much of next week is a direct continuation. Okay. So back to Darcy, back to the medical files, back to Monica. Stop talking about the guy you're going to meet at the end of this episode. Nope, at next week's episode. You can't go through the border again. You've gone through twice. And Pete, a little confusion online because she went in and came out. That's the twice. It wasn't two round trips. The energy is changing your cells, changing it at a molecular level. Anybody who knows the comics says, gotcha, I'm way ahead of you. I understand where things are going. Monica brushes it off, which is a really able storytelling thing because A, they don't want to do another powered person story reveal right now. B, she has the best, nay, saddest reason to brush off science and cell changes. She's seen through, she's been through it all with labs and cells and cancer and growth and remission. She's not focused on that right now. She's there to help. Pete, I don't want to say, yay, cancer storyline makes better story, but, you know, so I'm saying it in a reserved way. Oh my goodness, the way the story took her mother's death and made it as a through line to say, we're not going to talk about the fun, super-powered thing and the fact that she's headed to Captain Marvel 2 filming in the near future. We're going to give the character a reason to say, I'm not talking about Photon right now, I'm talking about this story right now. It is a genius moment, and it's genius in its small little pivot. The Captain Marvel 2 that just announced its uh, villain this week. But yeah, the the grief, the shared grief between uh, Monica and Wanda, that through line in terms of, uh, you know, solidarity that's important beyond the fact that we're setting up uh, character change with what they've gone through and potentially 
foreshadowing it with Darcy. Yeah, it's just, again, it's so simple, but it's so deep at the same time. Uh, Darcy, speaking of which, says that she's going to stay put. She wants to get through that last firewall. She's on the tail of something big with Hayward. Uh, don't know if it's a devil tail. I don't know. But uh, Monica and Jimmy step away and uh, and steal another truck. Back in town, it's spooky time in the town square. Uh, Pietro saying, Westview, New Jersey is charming as hell. Um, uh, isn't it nice? Wanda asks with pride. Uh, Pietro thinks that mom and dad would have loved it. Pietro also, in a scene, again, it's meant to be banter back and forth, but all of a sudden he's about to talk about the false reality of things. He wonders where all the kids were before this Halloween episode. He approves of the ethical considerations that Wanda has made. You know, kids still with their families, staying asleep in their beds when they're not needed. Um, He says it's not wrong. He's impressed. This is all a jump up from nightmares and red wiggly woos. And again, to take the things that they we have from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, obviously this Evan Peters first foray into it um, to do that, to have him speaking to her in a way, hey, I'm wise to what you're doing here. We, we are, after all, brother and sister, right? Although that might not actually be the case. That's that's still something that is a possibility and then uh you know to uh be impressed with it to be able to level with her in a way that you know really no other character other than vision and even to a point there it's it's conflict and she goes into not knowing how this began just the endless nothingness being completely alone is it is it you know her condition during the snap where she went to is it the return from that and you know no vision the grief there the state that led her to uh, reclaim uh the the bits of vision and put him back together and then You know, almost as if you're through that conversation. And if this isn't enough, Matt, you know, I turn away and then boom, it's Pietro with the wounds and the glazed over almost cataract-esque eyes. Yes, and itself an interesting intersection because, of course, you know, that's how uh, MCU Pietro was shot up. And again, the whole kind of quiet you know tug here is he is he the fox one is he the mcu one that just happens to look like evan peters and what makes sense what doesn't whatnot there's a linking here which almost pushes against the idea that maybe it is the separate universe is somehow coming together it's it's a great tension um speaking of cataracts pete in the real world darcy has made her way in through that last firewall she's reading about cataract a weapon plan uh she emails it to james Wu. uh by the way pete I would, yeah, sometimes these shows have like, you know, the, the real working phone number or the real website or, you know, in the office you can see when Ryan gets arrested on YouTube. That still is a YouTube thing that's there all these years later. Uh, I personally am not going to be the one to email James underscore Wu at FBI.gov. Um, I don't know if it works or not, but probably not worth the downside. Um, 
But uh, to, to go from that, we see that Hayward, uh, Hayward is seeing on his scanner that Vision is close to the boundary, and, and Darcy sees it too. Um, I'll mention, Pete, I don't know whether this is best safe for theories or, or, or not, but it's at this point, I believe, in the descriptive audio that, that it makes note of this scanner insert shot makes note that something else is being scanned outside of the boundary of the hex and it appears to be um i will i will say to the north of the sword installation it could be any cardinal direction but so again you might look at it and go well it's another bleep that's blooping okay fine just so you know the official descriptive audio which hasn't let us down so far says two things are being tracked and one is vision inside the hex that is not something I was aware of to this point. I did not watch this episode with descriptive audio. So good catch there. Uh, Vision pushing through the barrier here. And then again, we we just recognize the brilliance of it's red. It's got her magic, but it's also TV pixelated RBG uh, when you go to do that. So thematically, visually, it all fits and we've got sword people on the outside in, uh, you know, protective hazmat type of uh, outfits. And then as he comes through and uh, we've got Darcy here run over because she's seen that uh, there's there's somebody coming through the barrier. What takes place is just horrifying. It is. He's disintegrating indeed pieces falling back into pulled back into the hex darcy wondering why they're not helping him uh inside the hex billy can hear the trouble through his psychic powers he can hear hayward as well billy and tommy get mom dad's in trouble and so forth back outside darcy has been caught and she's handcuffed to a jeep even as vision is disintegrating more the tin man with his strings cut if i may borrow a reference or two um tellingly inside you know as wanda is increasingly concerned pietro says don't sweat it your dead husband can't die twice uh i'll pause and add her for a moment and say hey pete we had wondered how many times uh, can Vision die? Will it be a third time by the end of the episode? But for his troubles, Pietro here gets blasted, and rather, it, it's a it's a serious blast here that he gets for uh, for running his mouth. This was the biggest piece of the leak. Um, Evan Peters as uh, Pietro delivering this line, and it was <clears throat> since this was the only visual proof of the cameo that leaked online, like, all right, is he showing up on Halloween? Like, haha, masquerading, not real. Um, but that they had him appear, you know, the long lost brother at the end of the previous episode, you know, true TV trope and now have maintained the character into the second one. Um, but yeah, that was the biggest piece that had jumped out. So Billy can see what's going on with all of this, and then Wanda suddenly stops the whole town. Pete, I, it's a small detail, but I like that even the inflatable, whatever it's called, the inflatable, usually it's outside car lots, you know, the kind mm-hmm. of the, the wavy guy, even that pauses. So it's not just that like the people are shut down, it's that time stops or the... Well, the motion... earlier shot of that has her red magic around it. And two with Billy. So Billy's magic is blue 
when he puts his hand out to stop his brother, he's got the little blue on there. When we see through his abilities, it's got a blue tint to it. So they're, they're going so deep into that comic nuance. Ultimately, uh, from Wanda, magic emanates outward. Uh, we see that the boundary is on the move. Hayward and his team start to run away. Uh, Darcy, of course, handcuffed. Uh, I think there's a comedic line, you know, uh, really guys or something like that. Pete, us recording this on a day when the no joke, super serious Snyder Cut full official preview is coming because there aren't jokes in comics. Uh, But Darcy has a joke here before this terrifying notion of the boundary increasing. We see that the floodlights at the border are turned into flags. There's a uh, a carnival or circus theme that is slowly being revealed as the boundary moves outward. The boundary recovers Vision's body. We see Darcy beginning to be undertaken, although that's it for her in this episode. Um, sword tents and cars are turned into more carnival attractions. And indeed, Pete, the workers are clowns. Mimes as well. The helicopter into a hot air balloon. It's it's really, really well done. I I have to wonder, you know, given that the the Halloween thing and then this turning into some kind of circus or fair uh, or there different timelines as the hex is expanding with all these hex men and hex women. Hayward is still on the run. The, the back of the truck nipped at um, the car lot, by the way, Pete, genius move here, turned into a used car lot. How do they think things up? Um, Hayward does seem to be escaping. Uh, however, we do see that town boundary growing and growing. Kudos to the ultra-wide shot here as the truck gets away because it, it's for the first time that you see some like actual hexness to the hex, um, not just kind of a semi-visible wall there. Uh, and then the episode concludes with Wanda's eyes uh, glowing red, then stopping to glow red to end the episode. What's the deal with this episode? Pete, towards the beginning of the episode, Pietro sees, ostensibly sees Billy talking to the camera, but Pietro doesn't appear to see the camera. Any thoughts there? I mean, other than the way that Malcolm in the middle approached breaking the fourth wall, uh, I don't make anything of it. Um, the, The one bit we know that's coming you know wanda in the in the flannel speaking directly to the camera believed to be um a a imitation of the office i mean read into that what you potentially will and we're going to talk about some other things that come with that maybe so as we discussed before uh herb is eager to change things for wanda as she might like it what does he know? What do you think the average, let's say, you know, town town center citizen knows? Our, our average supporting character, how much are they aware of versus not? I mean, who do we know that has some level of awareness? He's shown this before. Agnes has shown this before. Uh, he is identified from the outside. She is not. There have been speculation that perhaps he's playing high evolutionary um you know is he that it it wouldn't seem they're going for it but 
again where this show just keeps so many balls in the air they haven't ruled it out that given that every time somebody who's not wanda says something it's mephisto right matt yeah and and to the point that part of me wonders you know sometimes as i said last week sometimes occam's razor sometimes the simplest answer is the best answer i wonder again you know keeping in mind that the writing room has intentionally created the mystery box show here to what degree do you go all right team we know this isn't mephisto but we're not going to reveal that until episode seven or eight or nine so how many mephisto hints can we put in there in the first two thirds that aren't going to be untrue when we reveal that it's not mephisto but that will make people go down the wrong path but that they won't be upset when we show them the right path uh i I suspect that's where it's going. However, if next week, whomever says, ha, my mask is off and I am Mephisto, I wouldn't be surprised either. But I just feel like, I feel like if you know the comics, and I haven't read a Mephisto story ever, but I know enough to have Mephisto on my radar, I feel like it's too obvious. Now, for the, how representative are you and I and most of our listeners compared to the average person who's like, Hey, the one with the glowy fingers and the robot guy who was also in the Ron Howard movies. They're in a show and it's 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 uh, action packed and such. It's Marvel. Like what's the who who are these Mephisto possibilities being written for? I don't know. But that they exist and that it's speculation. Again, it's it's just a wonderful opportunity that it could be this layered that all this stuff remains on the table whether or not they do it remains to be seen but that it's a possibility i think shows the the promise of this show matt the age of ultron aaron taylor johnson in the previously on segment yeah um also i mean I now officially have on my radar when a Disney Plus show after the Disney Plus logo then show like reminds you that you can see things you can see all sorts of Disney things on Disney Plus. Um, that's a clue that they're about to show footage from something outside of the show that you're watching. So was that put there just to remind us that he got shot because they want to make it clear when Evan Peters is shot up later in this episode by way of a false vision, lowercase v, that it's the same guy? Like, who's that, pre- again, who's that previously on for? Um, it, it would make sense just to remind people, I mean, Age of Ultron, many movies ago, many years ago at this point, but I don't know, are you proposing a further read than that? Are you pr- proposing a, 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 a dust-off of the actor ahead of a return? What are your thoughts? I, I think there's, again, so many possibilities. It is conspicuous by its very inclusion. Uh, beyond a, hey, uh, Age of Ultron comes up as something to watch because um, Wanda appears in it for the first time because Vision is created in it. Uh, that we're going to give you the clip here that we're going to show you how he died, um, I, I think is, is something that's loaded with intent, whether it pays off, like so many of the things that we're talking about, you know, we'll know in the next couple episodes. So let's circle back to this. If the descriptive audio is correct, this idea that the, that there is a second item being tracked outside the boundary of the hex. 
we were told that what was being tracked was vibranium. Um, I don't know that that means that it only tracks vibranium, but I don't know. Any thoughts there what the second... I mean, if you go back and look, again, it's at the 26-minute mark. If you go back and look, you know, Vision is being tracked in red, I believe, and then there's a there's another thing in a blue box that's being seemingly tracked. And again, it doesn't necessarily read as track, but this is what the descriptive audio says. So... Any thoughts there, Pete? What else could be made of vibranium that's there? Or gasp? Is it maybe another astonishing metal? It's outside of the hex. It is. It is definitely outside of the hex. It is at the. It is like, again, depending on whatever cardinal direction you want to at choose. At the ridge. If you are facing, if you are at Sword HQ, mobile headquarters, facing the hex line, it would be to your right. Could that be the ridge? I don't know. Um, it could be. We know that what Monica needs to pierce the barrier again, quote unquote, safely, we know that she's gone in and come out, and that's rewritten her cells on a molecular level, opening there the uh, door to her powers. Um, so, I mean, the materials that she rattled off in that uh, fourth episode about what she would need to get back in um are they things that are being tracked here is this again further indication of the high level at which her expected visitor slash guest operates at um quick check-in here before we get to the the real biggie quick check-in here so we have pietro offering dialogue that suggests he's MCU Pietro with another face. We also have dialogue that suggests that Wanda plucked him from and elsewhere. Where are you up to with the whole notion of Fox Quicksilver versus MCU Quicksilver versus the evil force randomly picked a random face that happens to be played by Evan Peters who happens to look like the guy from the movie with the other name but not the thing but it's all a coincidence. I think they're integrating multiple universes and the way you do that first is opening them up. Um, so I think they have created here by giving Evan Peters the wounds that Aaron Taylor Johnson suffered uh, by making his eyes in the, uh, uh, and, and the blood coming from the mouth, you know, that he's been fatally wounded they are making the decision that that is now the version of uh, Pietro of Quicksilver, unless we're, you know, told differently. And that's the way that story functions. You show us one thing, we can only draw as much as we can from it until it's definitively spelled out. Yeah, I feel I feel like it's it's all on thin ice because I would be disappointed if the show told me, no, he's just another face randomly. Um, and ha 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 behind the scenes we tricked you um, but there's all this multiverse stuff that's coming yeah, I don't know So Pete, remember get... in the Malcolm in the Middle credits Matt he is the only one credited as himself though Wanda Maximoff is Wanda Maximoff that's a really good that's a really good um, reminder I think it comes with the it comes with the side salad of 
who made those credits within the world of the show. So, like, True. if it is going to be True. Mephisto is tricking everybody and he's taking Wanda's, yeah, he, he he's taking his, her, her subconscious desires and filtering them through this false reality. Okay. It, it also, again, could be, that could be true. It could be that the show is messing with us because they're all themselves. Like, again, kind of, where is the safety hatch where the show goes, ah, ha, ha, we tricked you and you didn't know it. And and this is where I, I really don't envy TV writers in a post, in a, in a post lost world where how much of it is tug the audience along for the ride and how much of it is, oh my goodness, somebody just made a four hour YouTube video analyzing the numbers vis-a-vis you know astral mycology they're on the wrong thing it was just a little fun little thing to delay for 20 episodes until we got to the real reveal like and then now we're going to tick people off and like there's all of that that is is meta 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 but anyhow pete who is monica's guy at the ridge so of course the hot rumor which will will respond to and has been simmering for a while but it exploded friday is oh my god it's reed richards and oh my god it's going to be played by john krasinski and uh randall park and john krasinski heads exploding emoji here's okay so this time last week we were doing the podcast the best option for aeronautical engineer the 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 the, the easiest theory was, you know, it's going to be Rhodey. It's going to be War Machine. We know Don Cheadle is going to be in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. If Don Cheadle shows up next week, it'll be great and also disappointing because, again, we have the... It has been foretold twice now that on the third episode of the Guy Coming to Help uh, trilogy, the guy shall be revealed. So it's not just, you know, they're telling us, look out, this is going to be amazing in my opinion that's what they're saying to us second let's look for a little trajectory here sword needs astronauts that was mentioned way back next we have an aeronautical engineer coming to help in a post uh, hex problem scenario it could be hey dr richards or hey phd candidate richards who has yet to finish his uh his schooling where whatever it might be um we would like you to join S.W.O.R.D. to re- return to flight missions in space. Like, to me, that's the best trajectory there that they're setting up. He's going to help for this as just a guy who's smart, but then he's going to stick with S.W.O.R.D. And we all go, oh my goodness, in two years, and three years, that's where the Fantastic Four story will pick up. If, if we are going to get this some good news, Matt, hence my use of that phrase earlier, of course, that being Krasinski's... Uh, during pandemic uh youtube show that has since become a a big thing um if you're gonna have him show and you're gonna do the office homage episode you have to get full mileage out of that you've got to get the look at the camera okay you know uh it it's got to be done and i have no doubt in my mind that this is the creative group to execute that and he's got to have a scene with randall park it does very much seem i mean we've done the 2000s and yes the office straddled the 2000s and the 2010s but if they're going to do an office episode it's 
up. It is the next episode of the in-universe WandaVision. Maybe next week it's a big surprise and we get all outside the show, although I think that we're past that. I think that we're past living in so, almost solely in one world or the other. I think we're doing 50-50 for the conclusion of the series. But, I mean, we're headed towards The Office. It could be Krasinski. Let me... Let me zig against the zag for a moment, though, Pete. As we start to, as we have the the glimpse here of, in a certain sense, the cornerstone of Marvel Comics in terms of Fantastic Four and X Men. Is there the possibility as those two properties get rolled out, whether it's as soon as next week or whether we don't get an X-Men movie for the next four or five years, is it possible that they do some major changes? For example, maybe the guy is going to be doctoral candidate Ben Grimm. Maybe he's not a dum-dum anymore. You know, do we get, um, do we get, you know, I know there were many, many things wrong with the uh, Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie, but do we get... Uh, yeah. Do do we get in, in this uh, Reed Richards a person of color or something like that? Is this the first notion to say, hey, you have a certain expectation of Fantastic Four and X-Men. Get ready to have that rocked a little bit, too. Well, it's a darn good thing that uh, Chris Evans is coming back to the MCU as uh, Johnny, as the human <laughs> torch here, to be able to incorporate the Fox by and now that Captain America is out of the way, you know, to, to use your multiverse in such a way to keep Chris Evans, I, I think it's brilliantly done. I mean, snark and, and sarcasm aside, Matt, like, yeah, you could change up the characters. You know, what if you make Sue Storm, you know, have uh, the, the lead role or, or whatnot, you know, beyond the idea that inclusion and everything else in terms of the representation of who is in the fantastic four and people of color, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but to think that it might be, it just might be this first Disney plus Marvel studios offering that pops the cork on X-Men and, or fantastic four. I mean, that it's the one that was slotted initially second. I, I think it only ups the importance. Iron Man 2, Age of Ultron, both on first viewing, when you view them in proper order with no knowledge of what's to come, they both suffer because they're spending important narrative time to set up other things. Um, in retrospect, that is less so the case. This show does not suffer from that. It's interesting. Maybe we've matured as viewers, or maybe they've matured in terms of their presentation. The notion that it's not just Wanda and Vision and the mystery of the prison, whatever you want to, whatever the proper term is for the hex, the fact that we're also getting, you know, photon and and things like that. I mean, truly, the sky's the limit, and that's why I say, dear listener, you know, I have no knowledge of the future, but watch next episode early. Watch it without social media. Um, with an eye on social media, because I think it's going to be the biggest episode of the season thus far. They continue to do the episode title thing, Matt. And then I really have to question, so you and I watched the episode around the same time. You may have even watched it before I did uh, in a rare week. Um, this episode, when I watched it, only had... A title 
I never you, saw it. This is the first one. Uh, maybe the second one I haven't seen not have the title. It had the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, the Halloween title. Uh, the entirety of the time I was able to view it. Yeah, and it's now enough of a trend where they're doing it on purpose. I would totally buy that. You know, like it was secrecy for the first two, and then. It was somebody forgot, you know, something like that. We've seen that with CBS and all uh, CBS All Access, which is in its final month of existence for the rebrand, where sometimes they just forget to upload stuff. Sometimes um, they just forget they have shows. Sometimes it just gets forgotten. Yeah, but the the fact, I mean, I got done watching this by seven a.m. Eastern, and it still did not have a title, and I think mid-morning i went back and looked and it had one um, i watched it at five and had a title you had a title at 5 a.m yeah well that's just weird then mm-hmm. did you watch on what device did you watch on on my laptop i had watched on my phone i mean app shouldn't where you're watching shouldn't make a difference it but shouldn't. i don't know enough technologically like you know but do you need to do the slight tweak for the this version, I don't know enough about the world of streaming apps to know if you need to push the go button thirteen different ways, you know, to get the same result. I don't know, but this is—it's weird that they're doing this because to call it the all Halloween spooktacular or whatever it is. It, it, again, this is not as we said before. This is not you know the episode in which Reed Richards comes with friends Ben Grimm and like it's just—it's not spoilery. So I don't know. I don't know. There's so much with Vision we haven't even dug into in this episode. The notion that he is undercover. uh, The interest of Hayward in him, tracking him, not Wanda. Um, The observation of of just how much, Matt, boy, he really wants out this sentient weapon, doesn't he? I mean, this look. I I stood in defense of Hayward last week. I think on the merits of what had been presented, I can buy into the merits he presents this week in terms of it being a world of gray. Anybody who's lived through the last five years and difficult decisions being made and all of that. But this episode also is starting to shine a red alert on him. It's not that he's. It's not that that secret file was humanitarian effort file or new clean energy question mark file you know or food replicator it was weapon technology whether hayward is hayward whether hayward is mephisto you know whatever whatever it is i know some people you know oh here's hayward once again the white guy is the bad guy uh nobody complained about that with obadiah stain in 2008 nobody complained with that when lex luther was turned from maniacal scientist to uh manhattan uh, you know, businessman Baron in 1986. So we'll cool it there that, that, you know, that once again, Marvel's after a certain kind of, he's after the Marvel's after the white men and whatnot. Like if Hayward ends up being revealed to be the baddie, it'll be on his demerits. Uh, and it'll be on, I think the fact, I mean, it's an interest to me, it's an interesting perspective to say, 
separate from a political real-world connection. To me, it's interesting to have Hayward say real people have been marginalized and have been made powerless by these super-powered others. What more proof do you need than billions died and then billions were brought back all because a couple of handful, you know, people in fancy underwear saved the day or not? Again, that's interesting. I think there's probably a certain point where Marvel makes a decision. So do we consider that as a perspective or do we say wait we could turn this into a metaphor for it's those people over there we need to you know we need to build a tv wall and keep them out and it's interesting that they show the restraint in that scene to not like uh jimmy Wu does cite the sokovia accords and powered individuals um you know hence leading to speculation that hayward if possibly Mephisto, or if not, Mephisto might be the character of Nightmare. I guess it comes it comes down to a number of factors. First of all, as I always like to do, you know, we know that there's an endpoint. We know that the endpoint is episode 109. So with three episodes to go, it's time to start to account for these things. It's not going to be the last five minutes in episode 109 where, you know, all of a sudden the 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 blue magic and the red magic are both shot at hayward and it suddenly reveals him to be dot 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 like it's going to be revealed before that because this is a substantive arc of storytelling matt shackman says it's six hours some people have said therefore it's hour-long episodes uh because matt shackman apparently is kevin feige maybe there's more red blue magic i don't know but um but i digress the fact that hayward is starting to potentially reveal himself as the baddie the timing in general the timing is right let alone pete my favorite marvel studios trope guy who you can trust in the first half turns in the second half to be the villain on the inside that you didn't suspect all along except you might have started to suspect somewhere in the middle third um we're right on schedule for hayward is the bad guy who is the sassy best friend matt Pete, let me be completely serious here for a minute, okay? And to me, this is a further story red flag that we should not trust Hayward. I feel like in Hayward's question there, living in the real world, not in the MCU, because you know, in the MCU, there aren't really problems like racism. There aren't really problems like sexism. Um, but in our world, those are problems. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's a loaded question to ask two women one of which is a person of color. Um, uh, Pete, I think my answer is neither of them are sassy. Both of them are independent ladies who happen to be working together for the common good using the training and knowledge and talent that both individually have to make the pair greater than each is individually. Given the Jimmy responds, it leads me to believe (laughs) it's him, which I'm here for. Can't they all be best friends and also sassy, though? Um, absolutely. And I, I know we've had a little fun. I must confess, I don't remember whether it was on the podcast or not. But I know that uh, the, the notion that there are some people who've never seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. saying, wait, they should take these non-superpowered people and have them do some sort of NYPD Blue, X-Files, MCU kind of thing. Um, though I think the initial reaction was, my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. might not have been perfect, especially at various points in the first third or last third or sometimes the middle third. But, you know, I, I love my little show anyway. Um, 
could this be i mean look pete we have long-term things like you go back and watch age of ultron do you know who rescues wanda at the very end it's vision like things like that where you go they couldn't have planned this if they had planned it um could they be setting up agents of sure of sword with jimmy woo and darcy and special guest star or special all the time their star um monica maybe maybe they're all it's it's three best friends starting the team all to the level that they want to take it here and again what's public what's not at this point we have to evaluate a couple of lines that come in the conversation while they're trick-or-treating matt pietro wanda so of course he calls the two children devil spawn i will err on the side of this is not mephisto and the show knows it, but the show is going to give you enough breadcrumbs to go down the wrong trail. Could I be completely wrong? Absolutely. I'm saying that up front. I just feel like, again, they're making this for multiple audiences. And if multiple audiences figured out in the sixth episode that in the ninth, at the end of the eighth or the beginning of the ninth episode, it's going to be Mephisto, that's interesting, but that's not as interesting as... You know, in the comics, certain people get snapped away, but the lights just went down and Endgame is about to start. Gun to my head, I honestly don't know who makes it out of this movie and who doesn't. Like, it's it's too little mystery for all the breadcrumbs. We've not seen Dottie in a while. Did Dottie become Pietro? Uh, I don't hate that as a theory, the notion that if there is an outside force, and I know I just argued against Mephisto, but Pete, I can have my cake and eat it too. Um, it, it, first of all, let me add a quick tangent. I think it's clear now, it has been said enough times, that Wanda doesn't know what the catalyst was for this, what the spark was in the engine and so forth. So whatever that spark is, that's your outside party there. Um, if the storyteller... Uh, who somehow would be superseding Wanda as the, the controlling factor in town. If the story, separate from Jack Schaefer and the real people in the real world, hopefully people follow. Um, but, but if that force is swapping characters in and out, that would be one way to have somebody who's close to the situation and still go with their memories of Wanda and whatnot. It's, it's interesting. And I'll just mention, since we're on the topic of Dottie, to my knowledge... Dottie and her husband are the only two that have ever appeared in the in-universe show in a scene that was outside of Wanda and everybody. There was a quick insert where he's reading the paper and she says something and it just, it stuck out that there's something special about Dottie. Yes, and that he exists outside the hex. We still don't have an ID on her. Speaking of duality, Matt, the other comment made uh in the uh, Halloween trick-or-treat, uh, you know, portion of the story. So kick ass and the resonance of that line repeated twice. Um, and yeah, and I only caught that on the third view because, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, Aaron Taylor Johnson was in that movie, right? He was in, he was in the movie Kick Butt. Um, and then here we have Pietro who played the, Similar character to Alan, Aaron Taylor Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Like, that, that's uh, the reference, Evan right? Peters is in Kick-Ass. Oh, is he? Okay. Yes. So, is this the show saying, no, it's not one Pietro or the other Pietro. It's 
all Pietros and how much that would kick ass. <laughs> um, I would agree with that take. How about that? Oh, Pete, will we have Christopher Mintz Plassey show up at some point? That's the, <laughs> that's the real, maybe he's the guy. We're all expecting, you know, Krasinski with silver hair. Uh, and instead, coming up over the ridge, da, 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 it's McLovin. That, that may break the internet the wrong way <laughs> as as mr fantastic uh or or uh johnny storm i i'd take him as ben graham like there's a multitude in ways it could work matt if jenna fisher shows up as sue storm i'm cool with it i'm cool <laughs> with it okay if uh michael scott shows up as michael scott i'm cool the, that would be fun maybe he's somehow gotten lost or something okay um pietro has a mom tat okay on uh the top of his arm it's partially obscured in a couple scenes but it's definitely there never get an opportunity to look at the other arm to see if there was one for dad curiously this first commercial yo magic no reference whatsoever to mom or dad so they, they talk about mom and dad. There's the uh, Halloween cutaway. You know, they they uh, have pushed their or he says Pietro says to his sister that she's uh, repressing her her grief. And then that's not how I remember it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what do you make of that? All right. So in the time that you were answering or asking your question, I, I have some level of answer. The answer is. On one level, in the real world, actor Evan Peters has a tattoo that says mom. It's perhaps, uh, Pete, I'm no tattooologist, but it's perhaps maybe not the most nuanced looking tattoo, but it is a real Evan Peters tattoo that appears to be showing. Now, did the show nonetheless make a conscious choice to show it in that if you did not want him to have a mom tattoo, you could say, hey, that makeup that we put on your face to make you look more handsome for TV we're going to do three wipes on your bicep because you're in a cutoff shirt. Bing, bang, boom. So Evan Peters shows up with a tattoo. It says mom. Somebody presumably makes a decision to keep it there. I may be a little less inclined to dig into uh, the tattoo flashback episode, um, given that he has it and that it could just be, yeah, that kind of generally goes with the character versus we had somebody come, we had a makeup person who's good at tattoo makeup come in and put it there because it's the key to it all. I think those are those are two two extremes and the truth is somewhere in the middle. But I'm just for now going to go with he's a guy who lost his mom. He, uh, Pietro, is a guy who lost his mom and dad. We're going to let Evan Peters show his mom tattoo because it works with the character and is not necessarily a, uh, a clue at this time. And the mom and the dad missing in a commercial for the first time so let's remember them if that's i I just want to say if that's the mom and dad you're more keen on that than i am (laughs) i'm not disagreeing i just want to make it clear in the well you don't have that actor and that actress appearing in this commercial they definitely did not voice the claymation shark and boy who wastes away to nothing on the deserted aisle i mean how dark is this commercial apart the fact that's terrifying fear of sharks it's all true pete what else do you have for theories so continuing on with the commercial um the boy can't open the yogurt he dies okay like 
as if this commercial would ever be appropriate to air for a product. We know, of course, that would not be the case. Um, immediately after Vision is, uh, you know, making his undercover rounds, um, there are the first trick-or-treaters we see are in skeleton costumes. Then there's a little girl dressed as a Supreme Court justice, so maybe Bader Ginsburg, but definitely a Supreme Court justice. Got the, the black robe with the white lace collar. Okay. The character, the trick-or-treater next to her, uh, also probably a, a girl, long hair, but that doesn't mean that it is, but uh, more realistic skeleton costume, okay? And then there is in the town square uh, a static figure dressed as a bride that initially seems like it might be uh, you know, just something made up to look like a person and it's uh, stationary, but then really looks like it's a person and not moving. So can Wanda, is she sustaining, is she feeding the people inside the hex? Her powers spread so thin to begin with that the people at the edge of town don't move because they don't need to. The children have been hidden until they've been needed, despite the fact in the previous episodes, one hole in logic, children can't control them. I mean, her children as opposed to other children. Again, that's something I think yet to be unraveled. But um, that they may be dying inside under her control, her inability to feed them. Um, and the eyes particularly around the eyes of the woman with the clothesline ghost. And then Agnes's makeup in the car also made to emphasize the emaciation of the cheekbones. Wanda feeding them and unable to do it all or Wanda feeding off of them or both. I think regardless of how it works, this notion that, um, the notion that there's people in town who are fundamentally not well they are not okay this is not just a simple matter of life is on pause and you forgot that you and your sister are taking care of your ill dad and then the panic comes back in as we saw last week there's something worse going on here and again the timing is right because i i would suspect next week we're going to get you know like or in the next couple of weeks this needs to be stopped because wanda these people are dying there'll be that extra level of story out because without that presumably this could just go on and on and on and on while they deal with the problem we now have our our classic sticking uh, ticking story clock to say you know this needs to come to an end not just because disney ordered nine episodes and doesn't want to spend any more money past what was budgeted um but you know in a more serious end stories have a beginning and a middle and an end and this is going to help hasten the end so the nature of the hex and the extension of Wanda's magic. The Stark drone comes back. It's still got red wiggly woos. That that's officially the canonical term now, Matt. <laughs> okay. Uh, whereas vision can't break out and not break down. So, and, and then I'll add another one hex related vision flies and goes up does the hex extend up to a certain point 
is it infinite? I think there's probably a there's a top on that them are drone uh, uh, dome rather. As for the drone, um, I guess on a certain level, it's I mean the addition of the Wiggly Woo is obviously an intentional one because if you didn't need it, you wouldn't have spent the money to to add that animation. Um, I guess just if nothing else, it, it is now this issue that. Um, you know the the toll of having gone through and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's interesting to think that somehow now some of her magic is out, and there's this study of it. Now is the study tent? Where's the study tent in relation to the new change in the perimeter? Is that a big story flag for the future? Because um, don't forget, Hayward wanted the the study of it done in the hour, which. Um, we can now better understand is not code for by the end of this episode, but insofar as the episodes are roughly taking about as long as the episode runs, you know, it's about a half hour or 45 minutes of real world stuff uh, that unfolded. So is there some sort of ding science report that gets delivered next week based on the drone? I don't know. Billy says that they outside think that vision is dying, implying it's not really happening. And then, of course, she expands the hex. Darcy gets sucked in. We don't see uh, the change yet. A lot of theories and some interesting things that, that could happen there. The thematic of the fair slash circus that goes on. Um, but this cataract idea, okay? So cataract, a form of blindness, right? Vision doesn't know he's or was dead, doesn't know what the Avengers are. If Hayward, in acquiring a sentient weapon, could deprogram and have an Avenger, I mean, I think that's something right there. It is. It's a really it's a really solid theory, especially digging digging into the meaning of cataract and all that. Perhaps particularly in relation to the Mind Stone. Maybe it's also a way to project... Maybe the weapon is to project a certain blindness or a certain lack of truth, a certain reality, one way or another. Um, I don't... I won't quite ascribe to Hayward, you know, no more superpowers. Maybe he, you know... I'm not willing to commit to him saying the one... or him being the one to say that. Maybe that's his sentiment, though, is to somehow rid the world of all these superpowered people. Um, it would be an interesting twist if somebody says, I mean, obviously there's no mutants, but if somebody says no more mutants, for lack of a better term, uh, if that has been the thrust all along, it just has been transmogrified from Wanda saying it in the comics to somebody else wanting a similar thing. Um, or, I don't know, that, that could be an interesting moment too where it's coming at it from from a different perspective. We have seen Wanda control a massive number of people at once before. This happened in Age of Ultron. She clears out or tries to evacuate part of the city. So it's not that this is a, you know, suddenly out of left field situation and her brother's talking to her about how impressed he is and then the ethical concerns and everything there. Um, and then when you dig into her testing him hey in the orphanage the kid that did this to you 
uh, where's your accent? No, where's your accent? And the fuzziness of his details, again, maintaining that mystery box. Yeah, and I don't know to what point we ascribe some of this regarding Wanda. We, we kind of give it kryptonite points in that she potentially is so powerful that she's always the most powerful one there, except for maybe Captain Marvel. And therefore, if you let her do full power all the time, it's there's no story to be had. So, like, it, yes, we've seen powers to this level before, maybe not to this amount of sustainability, but I guess what I'm trying to say is this. It's somewhat muddy to say she can do this sort of thing all the time. I mean, that might be true on a certain level, but it's not necessarily true on a storytelling or or, or the ability to tell a story type of level. Last one for me, Matt, but in the form of a question for you. This nothingness that Wanda refers to being alone, snap or after the snap? Pete, I think that it most directly refers to the the loss of her beloved vision, uh, a sense of grief. Now, if you want to tie together uh, the grief of him dying, then you go to to whatever the post-snap existence was. I'm not saying heaven necessarily and i'm not saying it was another you know dimensional plane but whatever that is and then you come back we, we've kind of it was brushed on in endgame um but just kind of that life-altering notion of losing using losing your beloved then losing yourself then every creature in the universe who got snapped away comes back except vision died two minutes before that so he doesn't come back i mean if that's not loss compounded to loss compounded to loss i don't know what is you want to go where people know people are all the same you want to go where everybody knows your name last call to share your thoughts dear listeners we'll start with uh one of two twitter polls first one uh your thoughts of this week's episode pete one they're all the the ratings were in masks this week one mask dead got zero percent two masks bro blast got 1.4 percent three masks fairly photonic both with the ph got 11.6 percent and then four masks magnificent um got 87 percent, so a little down from last week but still super enthusiastic i would agree with that sentiment that you know if last week was a four four out of four this is a 3.8 out of four something like that uh the second poll who's monica's aeronautical engineer uh it let's see uh, there was 24 percent said roadie 41 percent said reed richards almost three percent said justin hammer um uh, pete i mean I will be disappointed if Justin Hammer appears next week. Uh, however, Sam Rockwell would be a welcome, welcome, welcome uh, re-addition to the MCU. Um, and then another option was, uh, you know, share your theory below. So we'll start with that with, uh, with some replies here. So replies for thoughts as to who the aeronautical engineer friend is. Uh, Noel Gardner at Noel Camille says, I'm going uh, to go off in left center with Monica's skull friend. Scrawl friend, pardon me, uh, grown up and using a human form. Not a bad theory. Could be anybody and also change later. Spider-Ham Lincoln 
That's at TessLC139 says, My research leads me to cast my vote for Adam Brashier, the Blue Marvel. It's too soon for Reed Richards to be introduced into the MCU, and Rhodey will appear in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, then his own show, Armor Wars. Uh, if it was him, then I would expect WandaVision to come out and say his name. Not a bad theory either. There, that it's it's too foretold to be our friend Rhodey. Uh, Sandra Resednis, at Sandra Resednis, says, I'm really hoping for Fitz. Pete, that from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course. Um, Steve Thurburge says, uh, this is being over-teased. Is that a word? Too much build-up for what could amount to, thanks for the Chekhov's Hexbreaker, my aerospace engineer friend. Um, which I think is fair, too. That's not just going to be guy who comes in with science. Um, and uh, Steve also says, I've never been a fan of the gratuitous cameo. Uh, it distracts from the story. I would prefer the subtle Richards, Krasinski and Park working together again, uh, or Hammer, reformed or no, over Rhodey. Um, let's see. Kate, Lady Kate Blackett says, I don't know who any of the choices are. So Rhodey is James Rhodes. That's the uh, the Don Cheadle, mostly Cap- the Don Cheadle character. Say it with the respect it demands. G- Captain James Rhodes, um, who has been in the Silver War Machine uh, you know, Iron Man-esque outfit. Um, Reed Richards is the guy from Fantastic Four with the the white on the sides of his head. Uh, we don't know because of the fairly still fairly recent Fox purchase by Disney. You know, Fantastic Four and the X Men are not on the are not part of the story at this time. Although a Fantastic Four movie has been announced, so I think it's not a it's not a bad bet that you could pre-introduce the character here in some capacity. Um, and then Justin Hammer was the kind of mirror bad version of Tony Stark, who was the bad guy in Iron Man 2. Um, Pete, imagine Elon Musk is a bad guy, or imagine him as he is now, if there's a difference. Uh, that's kind of Justin <laughs> Hammer. Is that, is that a good analogy? Yeah. The only difference is he's not chasing cryptocurrency. <laughs> uh, then last thought for who the other, who this aeronautical engineer friend could be. Jay Thomas, that's at Jay, uh, pardon me, it's at Groundhog J underscore says, if Rhodey already wasn't confirmed for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'd think him. But I don't think they'd use him for a big cameo in two shows back to back. Great observation there, Pete. Uh, so I'm leaning towards Reed or someone similarly Fantastic Four affiliated. I agree with Jay there. I hadn't quite thought of it through that lens before. The Rhodey cameo in two back-to-back shows, regardless of how this was intended to air or when it was filmed, these two shows were always going to be the first two. And if you're going to get Rhodey popping up in both, it's less impressive, especially if this would have been the second Rhodey cameo because Falcon aired first in an alternate universe. But hold on. What if, Matt, Terrence Howard Rhodey shows up in this one and Don Cheadle Rhodey shows up in the other one? The character, of course, was recast from Iron Man to Iron Man 2. Pete, that uh, you have given a glimpse to a theory that has skirted my brain, but I have not written down and we certainly have not discussed on the podcast. If Terrence Howard Rhodey appears, and for those who might not know, he played Rhodey in the first Iron Man movie and then very acrimoniously was let go. Um, The people who were in charge of Marvel at the time, let's say, did not value actors of color. That is understood. (laughs) That is simply the case. It's not a a rumor. That simply is the case. People who were above Kevin Feige at the time. Um, 
And it's also somewhat rumored that they didn't want to pay Terrence Howard the money they had promised him because somebody who's the star of Iron Man wanted more money. Uh, you know, so there were some bad vibes there. But backstory over, if Terrence Howard shows up and Monica says, hey, Rhodey, good to see you. And Wu and Darcy say, there he is, Rhodey, War Machine. Then, Pete, maybe we will have been in an alternate universe the entire time for this show. That could knock people on their butt. That that would be the only way that, that the Rhodey cameo would be bigger than a Reed Richards cameo, because then it would say, hey, you've been in, in an alternate universe for seven episodes. Welcome. It, it's an enormous swing. I mean, the, the public sentiment, the fan sentiment seems to be fantastic for and i think aided by the possibility that it's krasinski and then how popular that franchise is from a sense of wanting it to be done rightly in this mcu that you know apart from the hulk movie and, you know, we've mentioned Iron Man 2 and occasionally Age of Ultron gets, you know, denigrated as well. Uh, people think when they get to the things now that they've reacquired that it'll be worth the wait. Beat back to Twitter for some general comments here about the episode. James the Sagacious is at Big Killin on Twitter. I have no idea what's going on or what's coming next. And I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk, says, So the crazy commercial? The kid on the island was her, the survivor, right? And it was implying that when she was hungry uh, for love and connection, she had none, and all of it was left to fill her up, give her meaning, was the magic, and it did nothing to nourish her soul. Uh, Mary goes on to say, quote, Shot like a chump for no reason at all, close quote. That's not Pietro in any version. He sacrificed himself to save an innocent child. It, uh, that's either Mephisto trying to convince Wanda humans aren't worth worrying about her or her trying to convince herself. I bet the former. Uh, and then Pete, some thoughts here from the aforementioned Spider-Ham Lincoln. Uh, quick hits, episode six. Retro costumes were great, including nods to Speed and Wiccan. Wanda wore her old school Scarlet Witch outfit for the entire episode. Mannequin-like WandaVision residents, one crying uh, a year. That might be a typo there. Um, more uh, Shows more the helpless captivity of the residents who aren't... Uh, oh, he corrected himself, crying a tear. Uh, shows more of the helpless captivity residents who aren't in close proximity to Wanda. Agnes appeared captive rather than, in, uh, than secretly in control. There's more to this. Pietro's knowledge of the simulation is intriguing. He's also more than meets the eye. Darcy's stuck in Westview now. What will her what will be her fate? Circus clown? Agnes appeared captive rather than secretly in control. There's much more to this. Is she trapped? There's something she knows and something she's not sharing. Was she really lost or was she trying to escape Westview? Ellis Ave. Not going past that road is now moot with the expansion of Wanda's bubble. The origin of Monica Rambeau's uh, energy powers are forming. She was Captain Marvel in the comics, but later known as Photon, Pulsar, Spectrum, and other aliases. My guess is she'll eventually go by Photon in honor of her mother. Worst thing about this episode is that it flew by and ended too soon, and almost eight minutes of that was credits. And then lastly from Spider-Ham Lincoln, love the ongoing mystery and love that I haven't solved it. Tell me a story where everything is a surprise and I am a happy fan. 
just back to Mary Kirk real quick. Um, you know, the, the idea about the commercial, I think the beauty of it is that the metaphor works there so well. But she has a really great, uh, you know, theory slash hope for Darcy that Darcy's going to be a waitress inside the hex. Oh, <laughs> time will tell. Uh, we heard from Hail Hydra. That's at Hydra underscore lives. Looks like most other uh, comments picked up on my thoughts, but I want to say, how about Wu coming through with the knockout jab? I'm as lost as Agnes. It's awesome. Maybe she isn't as big a player as I thought. And Pietro feels like a mole for someone, but who? Uh, more thoughts here from Noel Gardner. I noticed at the end of the last episode, quote unquote, Pietro never answered to his name, just a head nod. Now in episode six, he goes by every variation but Pietro. Agnes added uh, to the opening credits, she's in. Herb asking if Wanda wants to change something. Unleash hell, demon spawn, thinking emoji. Uh, then Spider-Ham Lincoln saying that uh, Pietro was called Pietro in the credits. Um, and... Uh, we heard from Envisioning Wanda, that's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. Uh, incredible. This show nails every freaking, that's with the PH, detail for fans of the PH. I'm really confused about Agnes now. Doesn't appear she's who slash what I thought at all. Still hoping Wanda is being manipulated somehow. Otherwise, how does a hero come back from something this big and getting bigger? Uh, other hostages, or is it just crossing, crossing the barrier that matters? If so, what does that have to do with Darcy? So much going on, and I can't believe we have to wait another week. Uh, we heard from Andre Yeager, that's at Dr. Apollo 1983. Way too many nightmare references in this episode for it not to mean something. Also, Pietro was way too inquisitive. He is not who he says he is. Love the fact the kids got their powers, and now I'm totally confused with Agnes. Hope next week is one hour. I need more uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln have replied to that. I can see the show being a nightmare, capital N, scenario, which would blend well into Doctor Strange 2. I just hope that WandaVision doesn't go the way of, and it was all a dream. Uh, we heard from Jane Izzy Designs. Is Mephisto shapeshifting from Dottie to Pietro? Good, good theory that we've discussed there, Pete. Uh, Hayward's cataract plans. Is this code for destroying Vision? That's an interesting take. Uh, we heard from Billy Martin's Ghost, that's at Upper Deck Blues. Seems more like they're going down a, unfortunately, relatively generic route of Hayward, being the big bad who was looking to create weapons out of vision. That's fine, but we've been there before. Hope I'm wrong, because this show is awesome. Uh, we heard from Jackie Wolf, that's at Jackie Wolf. Did anyone else notice that uh, Ellis Street at the outer edge of Westview? It made me think of President Ellis uh, and then uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln was thinking of Ellis Island. So I think Pete all could work here. Ellis, the comic writer, Ellis, the the MCU president, Ellis Island, the wall, letting people in, out. You know, it's all, it's a perfect name here. Um, home stretch here for the Twitter comments. Sarah, uh, pardon me, Sandra Resednis replies again, any chance the supervillain is Mojo and not Mephisto or just Wanda? So we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, another response here from Billy Martin's Ghost. What do we think it means that Viz was falling apart outside the hex? Is he truly dead and she can only sustain him from uh, inside Westview? Pete, that would be the one that I go for. The, the Billy sense and the line that he says they think he's dying um, makes me wonder the ability to properly perceive inside the hex outside the hex and then that darcy makes such a big deal that 
they've been able to see inside in the time that Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy haven't been on the inside of Sword. Again, they're... This show is so complex and as evident by, you know, all these reads from our, our listeners here and the, the people writing in. So, you know, everybody's brain is working overtime, doing a great job. I, I think between all of us, Matt, we've gotten it. <laughs> we just need to find the right one. <laughs> we just um... need to find which permutation uh, of it, you know, that uh, Rhodey is now a member of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> and has superpowers and everything. <laughs> it's that easy. Pete, what do you have there on Facebook? So over on the Facebook, Matt, earlier in the week, Michael Dixon had written in a bit of a stretch here, but what are the chances that Wanda has enough power to manifest a Mind Stone? I think that because we're in the land of magic... And the MCU has kind of been moving towards that for a while. I think it's possible. Um, I mean, there's a variety of story outs that would be acceptable that are far that are far cry from Tony Stark in 2008 took missiles and made them into a bulletproof thing that could fly for almost 45 seconds. Like we're we're well past that. So. I guess that that theory suggests that Vision will make it out of episode nine, and I don't think that's the case. Bob Hill writes in, Hi guys, don't do Twitter, so hopefully this is a good way to get in touch about the WandaVision podcast. Being in the UK, I've listened to your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast for years without being able to contribute, as I'm always well behind the current series or episode. I've got a couple episodes left of the final season. So looking forwards uh, to your podcast on those episodes when I get there. And Matt, of course, that available on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Search Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fantastic Geek uh, podcast there, and of course on fantasticgeek.com for anybody interested. Bob continues, what I'm enjoying most about your WandaVision podcast is that you do all the hard theory so I don't have to. I could still enjoy the depth of the show without having to do loads of research, as well as being packed with references. I think another thing that allows WV, WandaVision, to stand out is the fact that it isn't bound to move towards a CGI skyhole finale after two hours, uh, and so can focus on the characters as people rather than as combat machines. It's nice to see what superheroes do on their days off, so to speak. Anyway, keep up the good work for the children. Well, thank you for those kind words, and certainly a guiding light to Fantastic Geek uh, is uh, the the now long-since-defunct uh, Lost First Watch podcast, uh, Lost Casts. Uh, and their subtitle was "We read the forums, so you don't have to." So I'm glad that we are. Uh, I'm glad that we are. We are fulfilling that. That's uh, that's baked into our very DNA. Pete, what else do you have on your end? Billy Martin's ghost had also reached out to me via Twitter uh, DM. Not clear on the timing where he got in touch on Twitter with our account. 
Um, but he had asked, um, you know, is Twitter the best place to ask questions for answering on the pod? And I think, you know, given that we're talking contacts here, um, you know, just recap always helps the number of ways people might get in touch with us. I said one of for sure. We have the Facebook page. We have the email. We have the listener lines. Matt, why don't we just recap those again? We don't mention the listener line enough. Yeah, it's kind of weird. People don't leave messages on the listener line, so we don't always mention it, which probably contributes to people not leaving messages and so forth. Uh, If you want to hear your voice on the podcast, you can leave a message at 732-707-1815. That goes straight to our Google Voice voicemail, and uh, you can speak up to three minutes for your heart's content. Um, Then the Gmail is fantasticgeek@gmail.com. The Twitter is Fantastic Geek as well. Uh, and then we are, of course, uh, Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. So truly any of those spots uh, is uh, is a great way to share your thoughts, share your questions, and so forth. I'll add in there too, Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R at FantasticGeek.com as well. Uh, Matt has a Fantastic Geek email, but he likes to keep that hidden. So almost as if he's part of this conversation in real time, Billy Martin's ghost said, great to know. Another thing... I've been mulling uh, over is that vision seeming autonomy in the hex is really just the quote unquote good side of Wanda's conscience trying to piece this together and figure out a way to end the illusion. Illusion, of course, being used in the credit song this week. Interesting. Uh, think if he is really, if it, I'm sorry, think if he really is still dead uh, and can uh, only live in the hex, that's a real possibility. Loving the pod, by the way. Glad to see two fellow Jersey Shore guys killing it. Well, that's because we are recording straight from the hex. Wait, uh, hold on. I don't think we were supposed to share that. Anyhow, um, I, you know, Vision's status at the end of this season, I mean, I really would be surprised if he is okay. Uh, could they have him come back? Sure. See Coulson, see, you know, a whole bunch, but see everybody who got dusted at the end of, uh, at the end of Infinity War. But I feel like dramatically it would be better if we just feel that punch of we got him back and then he's gone the third time. With that, Pete, the X-Men have their Professor Charles Xavier. Uh, Sword has its Hayward, at least until he goes bad. Who shall we hear from now in the most wise final spot? Speaking of getting him back, Matt, that would be Fred from the Netherlands. Fred, Fred Pidgeot. Never gotten the confirmation on the pronunciation of his last name. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry if I didn't get it right. Um he does not leave us uh, audio this week, just verbal. Uh, was a great WandaVision episode. I'm not going to give audio feedback. Last week was an exception. Greets Fred, uh, and then we had a conversation here. He was unaware of Malcolm in the Middle, and, and you know he, he referenced this in his comments last week that he's not seen a lot of these shows that they're referencing. Uh, he did watch a trailer, though, Uh, as we were having the conversation here and, you know, was immediately able to see uh, the references, Um, you know, the discussion here, he says that foreigners will miss out on a lot of the Easter eggs, not so much that they are Easter eggs. I mean, story 
important details um, are not going to be delivered in the sense of, well, here's a thing from Bewitch that is also super important for uh, the MCU going forward. The other thing that um, that Fred is fighting, so Fred is going uh, through the MCU timeline um, in and out of the Marvel TV shows and the MCU movies, and he's doing it in a chronological order in which they were released, um, you know, way. Um, so, you know, one of the things he's worried about, too, is the level to which things might be spoiled by WandaVision or, you know, as he's seeing this. I, I guess multiple thoughts. First is, I think that the sitcom influences are not the key to understanding uh, any of this. And I think that the sitcom influences are more complementary. So, you know, it's just, it's different storytelling tools to tell you um, this, this, you know, sad story of these people who are trapped here. Um, add to that, I really feel like the Marvel Studios TV Disney Plus era kind of certainly existing in a post-Endgame scenario. It's an opportunity for a, for a fresh start. Yes, it's picking up on old things, but if all that you had spoiled was Quicksilver, the guy whose movie you have not seen, and I'm not saying Fred himself has not seen Age of Ultron, but if you haven't seen Age of Ultron, you might notice that you never heard of Quicksilver before, so it's not the biggest spoiler that he doesn't make it out of that movie alive. Um, beyond that, I think it's just the characters have come from a point in the previous films, but it really, really, starting with this show, starting with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it really is this frontward look to the next phase, to where we're headed, and so forth. Well, Pete, this entire mega-sized, you know, maybe we're expanding our own boundaries, I don't know, but this entire mega-sized size podcast made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek yes everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content you place the value on the podcast here takes just a dollar to get in that door to get into the hex as it were all sorts of goodies could be early listens could be things that are only going to live there and you again help keep the ss fantastic geek flying so pete we mentioned a bunch of contact info before we had mentioned how there's the fantastic geek twitter uh at fantastic geek but i don't think we mentioned your twitter so how can people talk to you there you find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l AAR 11,801 followers can't be wrong. Well, Pete, with that, our focus on episode six starts to come to a close. Uh, we're not anticipating any MCU news in the next week, but you never know. And if any does break, certainly we'll bring that to you on the appropriate feed and always on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. But for now, time to look ahead to next weekend when the next episode of WandaVision comes and I will say adios to all our listeners and for today give you the final word who beefs in your <laughs>